0: introduce over.
1: hola everybody
2: hello we're live we
1: we're live. not live alright no, guys hey are. everyone
2: hi we're not
1: why why would <laughs> you?
3: everybody's gonna say where are their giant arms that are just hanging around the uh, around the <laughs> yes. table we upgraded we, <laughs> <yes. laughs> we got rid of the terminator <laughs> literally um, alright guys let's do our traditional volume volley, down volume down <laughs>
1: We still-
3: <laughs> it's never gonna end you know what you have to realize you got to put the damn thing on vibrate and then you activate it so that's how it works it's
1: always on vibrate
3: so why is the vo- why is the volume up
1: then Because i so- just want to hear you say wo- wo- you know what you're gonna say there you go okay
3: nice. so let's we're gonna do a quick share guys and then uh we'll go Whoa. live our loyal listeners are watching now look at that okay very nice good morning ladies I mean, we'll go, we'll go... Thank you, thank you. Thank you. All thank you. right, that's a wrap. It's, it's been a, right. it's been, it's been, it's been a crazy... We it's gave a, you one thing to do. It's been a crazy one Monday. Thing. It's been a crazy Monday. You know what? No, I'm actually not wrong. Good morning, ladies. Oh, yes. yes, we go. Yes, oh, yeah. hey, he was you were subconsciously right. right. And gentlemen. Yes. Thank you. How man. are you guys? Good, how are, good. are you? Good morning. Uh, we're here with uh, a very special guest. We have Alina uh, Samvelian here, joining us from Fly. Freedom-loving youth. Uh, For those of you that don't know what FLY does, we are going to basically jump into it, talk about what FLY does. We're going to go into some stories. Hopefully, none of us get too emotional. They actually visited um, my hometown of Gumri, Armenia, this past winter. And I loved and hated watching the videos at the same time. I loved it because it showed... The love and compassion that you guys have for what you're doing. But I hated it because after all these years of uh, the country um, suffering the earthquake in uh, the eight, 1988, there's people still living in domics, which are metal containers.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. So Alina um welcome to the show
2: thank you so much thank you for having me
3: thank you for taking time out of your monday evening or monday morning (laughs) i've been so excited
2: about this since the moment you guys told me i've been counting the days you know
3: what we were all excited about it we really we all wanted this was one show that we really wanted uh to have because um i know we have a lot of influential people uh join us and we speak with them but you guys are I mean, not to bash our other guests or anything, but it's it's a different level what you guys are doing, and not a lot of people can do what you guys are doing, um, which is let's just literally jump into it right now. So, talk about Fly. I want to know when you guys formed, why you guys formed, mm-hmm. and what you guys have been, what you guys have started with, and where you guys are now today. So,
2: of course. So, Fly Freedom Loving Youth began in May of 2013 which it's going to be about six years this May. Um, My mom's the founder. And it all started from her childhood dream of wanting to help kids. Um, This was her dream, and I was blessed and grateful enough to be part of it. Um, So growing up, she always had the passion of helping children, making a difference, and just having an orphanage one day. That's what she always had in mind to do. She didn't know how, she didn't know when, but she knew that she would want to do it one day. Then unfortunately my mom my mom is from Syria and uh, we all know how horrendous the um Syrian war was and it just finally reached its end it's, things have calmed down but back in 2011 2012 when it started and was getting worse um she felt compelled to reach out and make a difference in any way that she could because it was her hometown and and she felt deeply with with the country's pain so coincidentally um this was in uh 2012 she reunited with a classmate of hers, which is Fly's spiritual leader now, Bishop Armash Bandan. I'm sure you guys and whoever follows us sees um, him frequently in our posts. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were classmates up till the age of 13 in Halib. And then my mom came here. He went to Echmiyazin to be uh, Bartabed and so on. They had zero touch for 25 years. They reconnected here 25 years later. And spoke about Syria and what's going on over there. And my mom shared her passion and her, you know, wishes of wanting to help. And that's where FLY began with small school projects with about 60 kids. We started doing projects and we actually stayed private for a year and a half. We would send donations um, monthly to Syria and we would decide what we wanted to uh, be done with it. We started with school children to provide them school supplies and food baskets for their families. Primarily children that... Um, lost their parents, lost their homes, were living in poverty um, from the war in Syria. And
3: this is in 2013?
2: This is, yes, this is all happening in 2013. And um, I'll never forget the first moment that my mom and I received our first uh, set of footage from our completed projects. We saw pictures and videos of the kids so happy and joyful and grateful for things so simple like food and school supplies. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. We looked at each other in each other's eyes without any word spoken. We just both broke down and we both knew this is what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives. We wanted to help our people and make the best difference that we can. And it was at that moment that we realized that we couldn't leave this to ourselves. We had to go public. We had to spread the word so more people can get involved in this work and get bigger. So that's when it officially started. And um, we helped Syria up till, we still help Syria till today. But it wasn't until 2016 that we got in Armenia. And I'm sure you guys know the Abrelyan war that happened, the 4 war in Of course, of course. So... Armenia was always part of the plan. And we knew that one day we we're going to visit our homeland. And my mom and I actually never visited Armenia up till then. Um, we were just so occupied with what was going on in Syria. And then the Arabian War happened and, and you know, something was, was boiling inside of us that we have to visit Armenia and we have to help the children that lost their fathers in, in, in the uh, Artsakh War. So this was in April and in June of 2016, we flew out two months later. We were there for a week primarily to find more about these children that lost their dads and lend out a helping hand, which we did. The kids that you know lost their dads in Artsakh, we helped them. We provided school supplies and everything that their families needed to, to help them during a difficult time. But little did we know that our one week visit there would expose us to a world of other problems that existed in Armenia that I had no idea about. We were there for a week uh, to not only help these kids, but um, do more research about what other ways we can help Armenia. And we, uh, of course, our Serpazan Armash was with us. And um, without him, I mean, we would be clueless. It's our first time in Armenia. And he yeah. lived there for 15 years. So he was able to direct us with the help of other clergy members there. And I remember primarily sitting down with one Serpazan in, um, in uh, Yerevan, I believe. And he told us, whatever you guys do, just go far from Yerevan. Go far, far away. And you guys will, will see a whole world of Armenia that you haven't seen.
3: Yeah,
2: That's exactly what we did. And we ended up in Gyumri. Uh, don't ask me how. I don't know how. We just got in the, <laughs> the car and we ended up there.
3: Well, Human is the second largest city in Armenia. Yes. Um, it's it's funny. A lot of people when they say Armenia, Armenia is beautiful. Armenia, is be- Armenia is beautiful. But at the end of the day, it still is a third world country. You mm. leave Yerevan, and it's beautiful, and its beauty as far as the Hurdaparak itself, the cafes. It's like
2: Europe um, almost. Now. Yeah, literally.
3: Mm. It's like you you once you leave that border and you move into the villages, you move into smaller towns it's a completely different country i mean it's you have poverty you have people living in like we were talking about no the, running water, no mix, no running water, no electricity, no sewers, no gas no no bathrooms. gas, no bathrooms mm-hmm. um now were you guys doing all this before you went public with it? were you guys doing all this with your own financing or was it like word of mouth trying to get money from family members or businesses or what was going on? How was that going? So
2: before we became public and got our 501C, it was solely our monthly donations. It's like uh, there's a ar- word in our I don't know how you say it mm. in uh, English, like kind of like a just like a calling that you feel. Uh-huh. We've, we continue it till this day. It's our own, you know, monthly contribution that we want to do for the kids. So before we went public, it was just us. And then after we became public, it was because we wanted more people to get involved and increase the amount of proceeds so of we can do more. Um, but going right into what you talked about, Arno. So as soon as we stepped foot in Gyumri, um, what can I tell you? The air was different. The energy was different. Um, the, all the deteriorated buildings that are still there 30 years later. I mean, there was just this something in the air, the coldness, there was something there that, you know, made me, you know, have, have goosebumps as soon as we went there. And, uh, you know, it didn't take much to know that this is, this was our calling to end up in Gyumri because what our eyes saw after that the amount of horrific poverty that I witnessed. I mean, living here, born and raised here, I've always been high acid. I've always you know, loved my Armenian culture and race and my homeland, but I've always heard about the poverty that existed there, but I had no idea how severe it was. I had no idea that my brothers and sisters there go to sleep hungry and thirsty without clothes, without bathrooms, without showers. I mean, just inhumane conditions. I mean, we know that uh, in Africa and other third world countries, things like this exist, but in Armenia, I had no clue and after we were exposed to all that we knew that we had a lot of work to do in community so that's exactly what we did after our visit in june we actually had our first event for armenia it was called mission armenia it was a fundraiser just solely for armenia and then my mom shortly after that flew out for our first mission in november i was dying to go but she wouldn't let me go because i had work in school she was there for a month and uh, i saw everything as soon as she came back, she was depressed for a whole month when she got back because this was oh, like a complete shock to her. I mean, I wasn't there, but the amount of – my mom was very descriptive. She explained everything to me in detail. I saw the pictures and videos, and as hurt as I was, I could tell you it was not a drop in the ocean compared to when I actually went myself the following year, and I saw everything myself. I mean, it's something that you can't describe. I mean, it's like me trying to describe scent of a perfume to you. I mean, you won't know what it is until you actually smell it yourself, you know. Um But after that, um, pretty much to give you, because there's so much detail involved in what we do, but to give you the main scope of what we do, our main focus in Armenia is to help these families living in severe poverty in the metal containers, the dhanaks, and orphanages as well. Those are our two main specialties uh, in Armenia is what we focus on.
3: And this last winter, you guys were there, correct? Yes.
2: Yes, we actually go twice a year. We go once in January and once in June. And the reason that we do that is, I could tell you those are the most difficult times to be there in Armenia. January it's really really cold and June is really really hot. And for anybody that doesn't know the conditions in a metal container, so it's literally rotten tin metal is what it is. It's like the shipping containers that you see. That's what it is. And what happened is um back then when the earthquake happened, you know, aid was sent in those containers and these people that lost their homes, um you know, after the help was emptied out of those containers, they formed windows and doors and made homes out of those things, thinking oh that it's going to last them a couple of years. Little did they know those couple years turned into 30 years. And, you know, a lot of people that lost their homes in the earthquake did eventually get homes, but there were a lot of people that were left out to the point that in humanity alone, there's 2,500 families still living in these things, not people, families living in these containers still. To Any, this day. And
3: each family consists of what, four or five people? At least.
2: Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm.
1: Now the challenge is imagine these are, after 30 years, you've got generations of babies even born into this. So they, they don't know anything outside of mm-hmm. a metal container. No. Right? They go to school. Where where, where, would, where do they go to school?
2: Um, most of the kids are able to go to school. Some families that we need, like, let's say, because I think most of the schooling in Armenia is for free. But I mm-hmm. think um, it was kindergarten or preschool that they had to pay for. We, we have a lot of families that can't afford that. But there are schools on every block in Armenia. There's a lot of schools over there that they can go to. But the problem is, is, is um, just like you mentioned, they don't know any other life but that. To them, being hungry is something normal. There's no food. We don't eat. There's food. We eat. Um, And, you know, when I say food, I mean things that fill up the stomach but have no nutritional value, as in anything that's very inexpensive, bread, potatoes, rice, no meat, nothing that actually can nourish them. That's why most of these kids are malnourished they're thin as a stick. I mean, when you hug them, like you feel like you're hugging bones and uh, a lot of malnourishment. And and as a result, a lot of illness too, because if these kids don't get the proper nutrition, their immune system um, is not, is not strong and healthy. And as a result, they get sick more often, their families can't afford medication. I mean, especially in winter, when we go and it's freezing cold, you know, people there might be used to it, but Living here in California, I mean, it's it's not easy. It's like
3: Siberia. Yeah,
2: um and especially in a metal container, it's even worse because it's very very humid in these containers. I mean, as soon as you set foot, sometimes the odor is so unbearable. I mean, it makes you feel like you're going to get sick because of the humidity, the smell. Sometimes it smells like I'm sorry to say urine, and it's just because there's the
0: rodents. There's holes underneath these things that rodents get through. Rats. mm -hmm. Majority of these people have layers upon layers of rugs. Just so rodents don't eat them.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Definitely. And and everything that we spoke about, I mean, I don't know how we can survive a day without running water in our home, without a bathroom, without a shower. I mean, just the fact of not having access to hygiene. I mean, every single time we go to Armenia, we realize something in a new way. This time when I was there in, in the winter, the problem of hygiene spoke so loud to me that these people don't have And access to bathe and be clean. I mean, I feel like that's already 50% of the reason why most of them are depressed, you know, because if you don't have that that luxury to even bathe yourself and be clean, I mean, it's horrific. And when I say not bathe, I'm talking, we're hugging kids and moms that haven't bathed in anywhere from two weeks to a month. Um, because especially in winter time, it's really cold. So it's not like summer where they can just bathe with buckets and just, you know, air dry Yeah. because how it is, the process is they put a bucket in the middle of their home. Um, they warm up hot water on the stove and they bathe that way and partially. So one day is your head, the other day is your feet, the other day is so on, because they don't have enough water to do it all at once.
1: So it's insane.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, no government facility either, by the way, they, they, they used to, to have that. them. Not anymore.
3: See, before I remember, um, there was Bass. air, yeah no no not baths public bath. yeah public bathrooms well not public bathroom yeah well yeah correct those public bathrooms also. there was you would go in and basically walk in shower okay. dry off get dressed and and walk out mm-hmm. so there are there are no public bathrooms anymore no they're used yep. to
2: where they actually would pay a fee yeah, to use it and fee. get in and bathe not anymore they don't have those anymore
1: wow yeah. And and what's what's the local government doing about it anything or? you know
2: um, a lot of people ask us about this and a lot of people comment this on our posts so one thing that I want to clarify as well is um, You know we're a non-governmental organization, and we don't identify with any political group or or any specific group We're totally like we're there for our Christian Armenian children to help them in any way that we can now as far as the government goes um, you know we don't get any help from them, and we don't affiliate with them when they're there. We're just there with our team and our volunteers doing our our job. But let me tell you guys something about the government. So a lot of people are under the impression that the government's not doing anything. You know they should be doing more. All this stuff. I mean, if we sit down and and we analyze these thousands of families living in Armenia, you guys know the toshak and the bust, right? Mm-hmm. The yes. or the welfare that they get. One is for poverty, the other is for either a disability or for elderly. Mm-hmm. So every mostly every single family that we help gets these things a month. I mean, it could be anywhere from $20 to $60 or plus a month. Now that's not much, but in Armenia, that is something, you know, living there is, is obviously much cheaper than here. That's why the wages that are much lower, I mean, they make anywhere from a thousand to 5,000 a day, which is anywhere from two to 10 bucks a day, let's say. Um, but, um, the government does provide this monthly aid to these families. And if you, if you do add it up, I mean, it, these thousands of families all over. I mean, it is, it is a good amount. It is a big chunk. I mean, can we do more? Of course, everyone can always do more. If only they can get rid of these containers in a second, if if only that would be possible, but these families do get aid mostly a month and at least they have that, that they can depend on. Now, yes, that could be both a blessing and a curse because um, this is another issue that people are concerned with, with the issue of laziness and people depending on aid and things like that. Now, the great thing about fly Mm -hmm. is that, so, All of our team members are volunteers here in LA and in Armenia and in Syria. We have chapters in every city. Everyone's a volunteer out of the goodness of their heart. They do this to serve God and his people. Um, And so what's great about our team is that The way that we do our work you guys um so we have a whole list of families that we go and we visit how do we find these families we don't just go knock on random doors um the list we get from the social centers of that city so Gumidi, there's a big social center um that's where we first began and our volunteers worked in that center so they have access to that list because people where do they go to apply for for aid either a church or either a social center right Mm -hmm. so that list is already a list of families that they've interviewed they've done background checks investigations they've made sure that these families are legit work off of that list. So we eliminate one step out of the process by making sure that all these families that we're looking at actually are in need of aid. Exactly. Yeah. And how our process works is we go and we interview them firsthand. We sit there for hours, listen to their life uh, story. And, you know, most of the time these people appreciate so much that you sit there and you listen to them because they feel so neglected and so abandoned and so shunned out of society because they're very looked down upon. Mm -hmm. And we sit there and we listen to them and we do a lot of therapy work one-on-one with them because most of our families are single moms. This is another heartbreaking thing that I realized when I was there. And I'm sure most of you are, are dads. And I want to ask you guys your opinion on this too. I could tell you 95% of the families we help are single moms, very young, my age, older, younger families. Um, uh, the father abandoned, went to Russia, apparently to find never work, came never came back, formed another family. <laughs> what's, what's your opinion on this? I mean, this is something that I never thought an Armenian father would be able to do.
1: You know, back back in the day, back in the seventies and eighties, I, I I wasn't around the seventies, but in the eighties, I remember a lot of Armenian fathers did travel to Russia mm-hmm. for work. Mm-hmm. But they would go there, for example, maybe six or nine months out of the year, mm-hmm. send money to Armenian, and then they would come back. Right. Uh, fortunately, my father wasn't one of them. He did have a good job mm-hmm. in Armenia, mm-hmm. but I knew a lot of fathers who did that. So that was that was very common. But mm-hmm. in terms of to leave the family. And go over there and maybe start a new family or, you know, a side girlfriend or whatever and never come back. That's, I mean, that's. I look at it as yeah. a cowardly thing today. Yeah, yeah but my father. I have an
0: explanation. I've never been in that man's shoe to give my side of it. Mm-hmm. It would be unfair for me to judge those men. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm looking at it from my side, it's cowardly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: My father did work in Russia. Mm-hmm. When we were in the Armenia, uh, he would go to Russia and he would come back. Um, but he would actually take my mom and my older brother with them. Mm-hmm. so when he was working in Moscow, it wasn't like he was he would go by himself and then he would actually he would say, uh, Emma, you know get your get armin ready we're going to we're going to Russia for this this amount of time mm-hmm. um and they would book a you know they would fly out together they would stay together and then they would fly back together mm-hmm. I mean, it's unfortunate that it's happening now that men are flying out and whatever yeah, they're I'm doing, never returning and no, never another returning, thing whether it's abandoning the country and saying, you know what? Because here's the thing. Armenia says they have what? 3 million in population. Mm-hmm. Highly doubt if they yeah. highly, highly doubt it. Los Angeles has the second largest community of Armenians outside of Armenia. Armenia yeah. But when you look at it, realistically, there are so many people here in the States. I can even, I don't even want to mention family members that are here illegally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. They're here illegally. So they're still registered under that. Exactly. So
3: basically, yeah. it's saying that Armenia is saying there's three million, but there isn't. People are fleeing the country, unfortunately. Why? It's probably because of economic situations, mm-hmm. and it's probably because the country itself was suffering before the Velvet Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, now, God willing, everything goes in a more positive direction. Uh, people who have been visiting Armenia have been saying that it's different. The energy is different. Again. God willing everything goes well and the culture does change. But I think the people fleeing, the men fleeing, it's more of like, you know what? I'm out of the country. I have a job. I'm making good money. Why go back? Yeah. And and it's cowardly.
2: Like, was not that called no, sorry. It wasn't that
1: called Chopan?
2: Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what we used to call. Chopan and
3: Gnu yeah, it. It. meant,
1: big. you know, the man of the house is leaving for work. That's right.
3: what
4: that's what it called. meant. That's what for, the terminology. For the guys to actually leave, I think it's sad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. Um how, how, how would i explain it i would say you know um i think it, it when you talk about mental thing, b- mentally it's not there mm-hmm. because when they get out and they go oh they get to the point where they're a little be- be- you know better off they don't want to look back it's like they're, you know running, away yeah, they're away running away they're running away it's, it's yeah.
0: temptation
4: it's not just temptation some people some People go there and they don't, they can't do anything about it. It's not not that they do something. There's so many people that actually have gotten, you know, they got hurt on the job. They, you know, something happened over there mentally, whatever it was, you know, they, you can't.
3: I mean, single moms aside, I know I've, I've known families where the husband's been just a lazy bum. Yeah. The wife has gone to Khopan. Yeah. The wife has gone over to overseas or to Russia or wherever to work. And when you speak to the wife, she says, I don't want to go back. Why should I go back? He's a lazy bum. I don't want to deal with him.
2: Let me tell you something about the women in Armenia that I've met. They're strong. They're the most boss women I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, these women have guts and they're the strongest women I've ever met in my life. I mean, to be able to not only suffer in poverty in a metal container to watch your sleep kids go to sleep hungry. I don't think there's worse pain for a mom, no. you know, God forbid but any mother experiences yeah. that to watch your kids go to sleep hungry and to not eat just for your child to eat, to do everything you can for your child to survive, be abandoned by the husband and, and work two, three jobs left and right to make ends meet. I mean, the the families that I've met um, the strength that I've seen, but I mean, they can only come so far where they lose their hope already. And they feel like they've, they've, come to the finish line and to tell you the amount of depression that we see in these mothers. Um, that's why we do a lot of therapy work because most of them, I mean, the situation aside, the feeling of being abandoned and neglected feeling like there nobody cares about you, like your own husband left and abandoned you. I mean, I mean, what's worse than that, you know?
3: I mean, I have a, we have a one, I have a one year old and the kid, we have food and when she doesn't eat, it's like kid, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like Eileen eat, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eat the food, and she and it's it's crazy. She like when you put something in front of her, she'll slap it across the table or something, and you're like, "Stop wasting the food." And then you hear stories like this, where it's like, "There's
1: nothing to eat." And it's not to say it's only happening in Armenia. I've met not. a lot of women here. I've even had employees over the years who who are from majority of them from Asian countries mm-hmm. because I'm in the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. where they'll work full time for me, and then they'll have another part-time or another full-time job elsewhere and I'll ask them like why are you working so many hours and they'll tell me well I'm here alone my family's in the Philippines or China or wherever so I need to make as much as I can I don't have a social life I just support my kids until hopefully I can either go back there one day or bring them here Mm -hmm. so I've met a lot of women that do the same thing here so it's not but to to abandon your family especially as a man i mean mm-hmm. i wouldn't call that a man that's more of a you know something else that i yeah we can't say, say it here yeah.
3: and mm-hmm. to, we'll say it on next week's show yeah when we don't have <laughs> two beautiful women here really. yeah. <laughs> and
2: to, to touch up on what you were saying about laziness and and not working so we have um, some conditions that families need to meet in order for us to help them. So after we interview these families and we find out A to Z about their life, about why they ended up the place that they did. And most of the families, you guys, it's like you're hearing the same story over and over again. Before the earthquake, we were fine. Earthquake happened, took everything from us. And we've been in this deep ditch and we haven't been able to get out for 30 years, like you feel like you're hearing the same story, but every family is a different case. You have families that they've ended up in poverty because they have a disability. They have a, they have a disabled person in the house and they can't work or one from the earthquake or one from like, as much as it's similar, every family has their own unique story of why they end up where they did. So after we interview them, um, we go. And if they do meet our conditions, which are the following one, they need to be doing everything they can on their part. If we even sense a a, a sense of laziness, that family does not get our help because, you know, the amount of work and effort and, and energy that's put into our work, you know, wholeheartedly, the last thing we want is for the proceeds to go in the wrong hands. Because unfortunately, yes, you know, even in our homeland, there is a category of people that ended up the way that they did because they chose to because they chose laziness, they chose to depend yep. on the welfare, they chose to depend on aid and not do anything themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why I say the welfare is both a blessing and a curse, because you could choose to use it as a tool to get up, or, you know what, if I'm earning this much and I'm only going to earn a little bit more at my job, I'd rather not work. Well, they're, still, so,
3: they're still stuck in their old communist mentality. That's the problem. Where the government problem. has to do everything Where for the you. government provides everything for you. you got to go just wait in line, grab your bread, go home, eat, and... You don't have to worry about it. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that
4: because I've gone to Armenia Mm -hmm. multiple times and stuff. And when we first, like, about six to nine years ago, when when you would go there, a lot of the people would, you know, I'm I'm not talking about the poor people, but Mm -hmm. just average or a little below average. You know, they they would be just sitting around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Young guys would be just in the parks, you know, smoking uh, smoking or Mm -hmm. eating Mm -hmm. sunflower seeds. All day long. And we would ask them, you know, how come you're not working? And mm-hmm. they're like, if I work the whole month, I would get paid, let's say, $35. Mm-hmm. Where I could just call my cousin and he will send
1: me 100 mm-hmm. bucks.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately. But that's where
4: the laziness
1: kind of mm-hmm. started off. Yeah. And, and the uh, Western Diocese has enabled some of these families, I think, by doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I respect about Fly is that you guys don't just give them the money.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you mentioned, your interview process is about, well, we're going to aid you. But you still have to get your ass out of the house, mm-hmm. go to work, mm-hmm. and provide for your family and mm-hmm. help help your family yourself. You're not just going to sit home, watch TV or whatever. I'm of assuming course. they don't even have TV problems, yeah. but do whatever you do at home and of wait course. for us to send your of monthly uh, 100, 200, whatever you guys do. And that that's really commendable that you you don't do
2: that. Thank you. Yeah, one important thing, you guys, is we never pass out money. And the reason for that is because our charity is, the main focus is the child, helping that child and and, and changing his life. But of course, if there's a mother and a father family in the house, they're gonna benefit from the aid as well. But we don't provide money because that's not really gonna do much for the child. What the parent's gonna use that most likely is to cover their debt because all these families have debts Mm -hmm. everywhere for food, for clothes, for everything. So that's the reason why we never provide money. We instead use all of our proceeds to purchase and deliver everything that they need, A to Z, basic necessity, whatever you can think of, clothes, shoes, um, large food supply to last them at least six months so they don't sleep hungry anymore, school supplies, toys, something as simple as a $2 ball, you guys. Believe it or not, these kids have dreamt about it for four or five years and their parents could never get them. Now, is
3: this the list that you guys make? Is it yes. is it a list provided by them or is it something where you guys kind of interview with the family and say, okay, you know what? They don't have A, B, C, D, and that's what we'll buy for them. Or is it a list where they go, Okay, this is this is the stuff that we need this, list. Yeah.
2: So typically in the interview, we do our best to find out what it is that they need, but most families is the same. All of them are hungry, all of them need food. All of them don't have clothes. They're all small and worn out and have holes in them. They need clothes and shoes and a lot of you're asking about school armand um a lot of kids can't go to school because they don't have clothes and they get made fun of and they get bullied bullied. that's a whole other problem is like these kids getting bullied poor things it's like this the the level of sympathy that these kids don't have for these kids they make fun of them but they you know have an odor they they look funny they don't have clothes or shoes it's heartbreaking to see these kids going through so much and you know these kids are so smart you guys so mature like you will be mind blown i guess life's difficulties and life experiences how mature they make these kids we've sat down with eight nine-year-olds that take care of their brothers and sisters that are babies while their parents are working they feed them they bathe them they raise them it it blew our minds and you see kids here that you know are are on a totally different level <laughs> you know so i definitely believe that life experiences definitely shape you and make you and um you know, make you the person that you are. Eight,
3: nine-year-olds nowadays it's like, can I have an? The new iPad just came out. Can I have the new <laughs> iPad, please, so I can play Candy Crush? And can they, have they have cry because they've
1: only spent eleven hours on it straight. It's not enough. So
2: no. to, to answer your question, Arno, um, uh, yeah, we do find out specifics. Let's say we interview a family and um they don't need they don't have a fridge, which nobody has a fridge, but they desperately need one for a certain purpose. We'll get them a fridge, so yeah, there are some specifics, but mostly it's the same. mostly the basic necessities are the same. besides that, we do other things as well. Um, we do our best to help single mothers find resources to find jobs. Um, these moms that are unemployed um, let's say for example will pay for their classes to learn something uh, whether it's cosmetology cooking cleaning whatever we can help them with to help them find a job we've done that and we've helped a lot of moms find jobs beautiful yeah
4: yeah because that's one of the ways to get people out of poverty
2: of course no definitely that's our long-term goal by the way is to lower the poverty rate now
4: do you guys work with the government so that once they do find a job, the government doesn't cut off the welfare.
2: So um, we, yeah, whatever <laughs> because we Because a lot of
4: people just give up that. Yeah. No. Give up working just for the, so of course. So they get, yeah, get yeah, their no.
2: welfare. Whatever we do, uh, we make sure that they still uh, keep that monthly aid, like, but do their part. Yeah, of course.
1: Because the, the easier thing to do is just to hand them money. I mean, that's yeah. easy. You don't even have to go out there. Oh, you we'll can, take a week. You're mass. not helping them. <laughs> right. You can just have one person there. Here's 10,000 bucks. Go, even to, if you give it
0: out at twenty dollars, fifty dollars, you're not helping these people,
1: right? Because, like
0: she said, it's going to go to the amount of money each each little store in the each little village has a list full of money that's owed to them, mm-hmm. and they can't. You, I've seen interviews where they're like, "I can't say no; they're my next door neighbor," but well, how do I get this money back? Never going to happen. They're never going to pay that.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's it, what they do actually takes time and effort it's it's literally like a full-time job for some of your volunteers i I would imagine
2: yeah when we're there we're there for at least three weeks and pretty much morning till night we start bright and early um you know first portion of our trip is to complete all these interviews and then confirm who we're helping. And then we go and do all the shopping. So we're very specific. You guys, like we ask these kids specific, what's your favorite color, this, that, and we go specifically and we we buy whatever it is that they like. It's very one-on-one very personal. We could buy every kid, the same jacket, same Mm -hmm. pants if we wanted, but we want it to be personal and something that you know, they like and uh, their favorite. So after the shopping is done, the best part about our work is everything is a surprise. So these families don't know we're coming back. And what's even more heartbreaking is, You know, you see a lot of families that you see in their eyes, like kind of like, are you coming back kind of thing? Because so many of these families, I'm not going to name which organizations, but I've heard that have gone and interviewed and videotaped and filmed and shown on TV Mm -hmm. and never have returned and help. And that's something that I will never understand how you could put families through that. I mean, it's not enough what they're going through. You're already, you guys, some people make this comment sometimes too. Sorry if I'm jumping from place to place, but at, you know, why you guys show them, why you guys film them, this, that. I wish we could not film these families. Mm. If you guys knew how difficult it was to sit there and watch a mother and a child cry, there's nothing more difficult than that. I wish I didn't need to have that camera on, but unfortunately that's the only way that you can expose it. So people are aware you spread awareness and people could do their part to help. And it was through being so transparent. um, That's one of our specialties of, of fly is, the way that we were able to spread so much awareness about the earthquake. I mean, I had no idea about it. So many people had no idea about it or they forgot. And thank God we were able to spread a lot of awareness about the earthquake and the, the aftermath because of how transparent we were. So now,
0: There was a lot of aid that did arrive in Armenia yeah. for the earthquake. A lot. But let's not get
3: into what happened
2: there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if if all of it did reach where it needed to go, I mean. It wasn't Armenia. enough, guys.
3: It wasn't, in, in 88, it wasn't enough.
4: I mean the sto- for the AD, you only after, knew afterwards.
0: It. I, it was still not enough. There was aid coming in through the 2000s. There was buddy.
3: you guys the stories I heard about the earthquake. I mean, I know men that have flown from Los Angeles to Armenia to help. They've come back with gray hair. Mm-hmm. Young men, 30s, 40s. I know stories where people were saying, Oh man, it's you hear a kid you hear a kid crying underneath the rubble. Mm-hmm. And day one goes by, day two goes by, and the kid's voice slowly fades out. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. And by like day four, the kid's voice is gone. Babies.
0: I remember there was ten, twelve days passing, <laughs> and they were pulling out people alive.
2: Mm-hmm. We've had many families and people that we know that lost many of their family members, generations wiped out from this earthquake. And, you know, as strong as it was, I feel like a big reason of it was because the buildings were so poorly constructed and they didn't have that solid foundation. And, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I did a lot of research about the earthquake to present at our um, gala events and 500,000 homeless, 25,000 dead. It's it, it just unbelievable. This Displ- Displaced,
0: a lot of people displaced.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh,
3: Claudia has a good question.
1: Yeah. Claudia wants to know, um, Can you share different methods of how people can help the organization in terms of, uh, to pass it on and to promote Of
2: course. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. What was her name?
1: Claudia. Claudia. Claudia.
2: Thank you so much, Claudia, for asking. Um, so, um, in terms of help for the organization, um, there's a lot of different ways. Um, Besides our our team, our doors are always open for people to come volunteer with us, be on the team with us, help us during our fundraising events. Um, Even something as simple as a like, a follow or a share on social media. I mean, many people that have shared that have exposed the cause, you never know whose heart you touch, whoever sees that and wants to contribute. Besides that, of course, people um, make their own um, monetary contributions as well. Some do it generically, just um, donate generally and let it go to the cause. Some people choose specific families that they wanna help, which we're more than welcome to do that, or a specific purpose that they wanna do it for. Like, let's say I wanna move this family out, which is something that I didn't mention. We also do that. Um, We've moved several families out of their metal container into a normal functioning home. We haven't bought it because we don't have the budget for that, but we've purchased it as rent and we provide the rent for them. Um, But uh, I'll go into that in a a bit. Um, So yeah, uh, joining our team, um, attending our fundraising events, um, donating, or actually we just started getting into this too. Um, so all of the clothes and shoes that we purchase, they're all from Armenia. So that's also another great thing is we benefit our economy over mm-hmm. there too. Mm-hmm. We, we buy large, you know, in bulk over there. And um, people also ask us often, you know, could we donate our clothes? They're practically new. So we used to not do that because, you know, pretty much everything we give is brand new from there, but we started getting into that. Um, we started giving people the opportunity to send um, clothes or shoes that are relatively new in good condition because we don't want to give them clothes that are old. Um, they we could ship it out to our address over there and we can pass that out that's also something that uh, you can do.
3: if you go to our facebook page as well and you look at the link that we have for alina's photo we actually have a donate button there as well um, click on the donate button you guys can definitely you know donate to the charity uh it, you guys it's it's going to a good cause it's 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 not like it's going the money's being taken and somebody's eating it. It's going to a good cause and it's tax deductible and it's a full tax tax deductible.
2: What what I love about fly. um, There's no middleman, you know, it's my mom and I and our team doing everything. That's what I'm so grateful and blessed to have that opportunity, you know, and, and, you know, when we got into this, you know, we had to be 150% sure that every penny was going where it needs to go. And if we had 1% of a doubt, we would not have even gotten into this because this isn't our money. If it was our money, then who cares? But this is the money of the public that right. they're trusting you with, yes. you know? And that's also another issue that. When I got into this nonprofit world, um, you know, a lot of issues got exposed to, you know, a lot of people that have lost their trust in nonprofits, unfortunately, and I don't blame them. I mean, you're working hard for your money, and if you find it in your heart to help and want to make a difference, you want to make sure that every dollar is going where it needs to go, as it should.
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: and that's the promise that we made from the very beginning to ensure That every penny will reach its destination and that's why we always have videos and pictures to back up every single project that we do for the public to see because you know this isn't just for us to be happy we want the public to take part in this joy with us Mm -hmm. as well and see where their their help is going and 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 feel that joy with us and um, we just wanted to set an example as well for everybody else that this is the way it should be and the way that we're able to do that as well is our expenses are very, very minimal. So besides everyone being a volunteer, there's no employee expense. You know, event time comes around, we get as much as possible donated. You know, like Gahanayank in Armenian that they say, like, we're very careful of of where every dollar goes. Like, let's say we're going to buy a fridge for somebody in Armenia. If it costs, uh, like... Our team does such extensive work like this, some people might think it doesn't matter, but this is why we do what we do. Let's say it costs 110 She will look for a couple of weeks until she finds something that's 10 or $20 cheaper just to save well, us that which money. Which adds Better. up after. Of some course. Of course. Right? Absolutely. Of course, yeah. I, um,
1: I, when it comes to trust, I'll, I'll share my story in terms of uh, how I met Alina and Carolyn. Um, I had kind of seen Fly, and I was like, what's Fly? Who's flying mm-hmm. around? and <laughs> I didn't know what it was. So I liked their page a couple of years ago. And I was like, let me follow these people and see what they do actually. Because, um, I, for one have been involved in different charities for about 20, 21 years now involved, meaning just a little bit of volunteering, but primarily just donating. And like you said, I, there's very few of them that I trust out there. And I was following you guys for about a year and a half, two years. And if you remember, I reached out to them. Mm -hmm. Um, they never, they they didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. So, um, i reached out to them i said uh, to carolyn actually to your mom i said i I, i'd love to meet with you guys because i see what you're doing and it's from the videos when people say when do you put up the videos (laughs) then how the heck are people supposed to know about it i mean you can't hide the positive impact you're making if you hide it then to me that you're doing a disservice to our people no
3: people look at it, it's bullshit they're eating the money
1: that's what exactly but i Again, I followed these people for about a year, year and a half, watching their videos, seeing, wow, they really take their time away from their beautiful life they have in L.A., to go out to Armenia on a winter, during the winter for three weeks, and then back in summertime, which is not, the, like you said, the two seasons you really don't want to be there. It's either too cold or too hot. And I reached out to them. I said, look, what you guys are doing is amazing. Somehow, I my family has to be involved, and my brother and I, My brother didn't meet you guys, he he was busy at the time when uh, I met with you. But I mean, the reason I bring up the stories because I want the people listening to know that there's absolutely zero doubt in my mind that every single penny goes to use for the people. Yeah, if it it wasn't, she wouldn't be on the show, (laughs) I can assure you that. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's um, (laughs) 8,000 501c3s out there. We could have invited anybody. Everybody would love to get some exposure. The reason why we chose Fly is because we know 100% that every single penny is put to good use. None of it goes to pay for her school. None of it goes to pay for her car. None of it. I mean, so.
2: Thank you so much. Zero
1: doubt. Zero doubt. Wise Fly right there. Huh? (laughs) She's a wise fly. She is. And by the way, uh, when we're going to have the donate button on the, um, it's on the flyer that Autonom posted the Mm -hmm. other day. I'm also going to include it on the. uh, Video. So, I do
0: see a good question if you uh, if you don't mind. If you um, don't mind me finishing, you know sure, go ahead. <laughs> you're
1: done, young man. We're gonna nickname we him him Mr. Cutoff. He cuts everybody off, especially me. I don't know. Cut, you know nut, I don't know. Cut nut. I think, cut nut. I think he's jealous of my voice. He wants nut. to cut Wise nut.
0: me Wise cut nut. Wise cut nut. Actually it's not your voice, it's the slowness it? of the words that are coming out. I'm like, hurry up, get him over with so we can move on. You know. It's,
1: it's an hour and a half show what do you want me to we do? take our time all right guys it's a wrap <laughs> edgar's getting antsy <laughs> so anyways before my no i not friend here <laughs> <interrupting> me, <laughs> uh, what i was saying is um whatever we're able to connect uh, collect tonight hopefully um on behalf of my family and my brother's family, Lakeview is gonna match that. So if we raise $500 from the people listening, Lakeview is gonna donate an additional 500. If we raise $1,000, then we're gonna raise, I'm gonna match that, not just me, my brother's family and myself, because I really want people to know that I'm putting my check where my mouth is. I'm not just here trying to promote, I have no vested interest in any of this. Believe me, it's because I truly, truly believe in what they do. And when Arno said, you know, we should have fly on, I was like, no-brainer. No thank yeah. you so much. Even Absolutely. if this guy cuts me off, I'm still going to- Be- <laughs> before before
2: he cuts you off. I just want to say one she thing. She wants to <laughs> cut
1: you off. <laughs> she could cut me off all she wants, not you. She She's the guest. She's the
3: guest of honor. Real
2: quick, real quick. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Armand. I mean, one thing I wanna I wanna pinpoint is it didn't take you. A minute to you sat down with us, you listened to us for about an hour and a half, you gave us the time, and it didn't take you a second to even think that you wanted to contribute. And and I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to you and your brother for taking part in this mission with us and finding it in your heart to help these kids and everything that you contributed, you know, may God return your offerings back to you, everything that you've given. And I only wish you the best in all you do and thank you for being in this journey with us. Thank you for being in the Fly family with Look, us.
1: I could say you're welcome, but I have to thank you for what you guys do, honestly. Because even, look, this is how I was. I was raised, when you give back, you get back. So I I swear to you, I could even share (laughs) my financials, my profit and loss statements. Ever since we wrote a donation check to them, our business has gone up by 20%. There you go. So we have made a decision every quarter i'm going to write you a check every quarter i want my business to go up 20%. That's 80% a year. Well since you're saying <laughs> <I> mean- <laughs> that here's
3: what, okay since you're saying that this is what we're going to do. Uh, as you guys know, I'm, well dad and mom know, i run a, i work for Coldwell Banker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do business under Kenneth Estates. Kenneth Estates is my corporation. Uh, what we'll do as well is let's see how much we're raising and Kenneth Estates and Sold by Arno uh, we'll go ahead and if we do 500 we'll do 500 If we do a thousand Kenneth estates and sold by Arno will match it and we'll donate to fly. Oh
2: my God. That's amazing. Thank
1: you so much. All right. So everybody
3: reach into your goddamn pockets.
1: (laughs) Don't just use your pockets for hamburgers and stuff.
3: Don't have your latte tomorrow and give us $10.
2: You know what I think though, you guys, I feel like in our Armenian race, like, there is no Armenian that wouldn't want to help their people. I mean, if, if yeah. they know that it's reaching where Dude, it's, to, who wouldn't want to? I'm and- trying to
3: tell a story. I'm getting choked up. <laughs> it's, I can't. You, Every time I heard see- that story, you have no idea what goes through my head. You're, there's a kid underneath rubble. They're crying and you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. You have no manpower, no strength to lift up the goddamn boulder to help the kid underneath. Yeah. And you just sit there and you listen.
1: You know, um, have you have you seen their forty? Was it forty five minutes? The gala video yeah, from two thousand eighteen. After I met with them, they shared the video with me. Carol, Carolyn shared the video with me, and I shared it with all my family members. I swear, I'm a grown, grown man. And that evening, that I was watching it, I it was like one a.m. I put it on YouTube, and I was watching it for forty five minutes. I cried like. <laughs> like a little kid and I had to pause it I would I would go like you know have a little bit of whiskey or something to calm <laughs> down I come back you. I replay it I start crying I texted Carolyn the next day I'm like I can't believe how much I've I've never cried this much. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's, it was, I, you love the videos, yeah, but you hate it at the
3: same time.
2: You know, a lot of people tell us that of, you know, we can't watch the videos. You know, we can barely watch them. How are you guys doing this? And I say, imagine what it's like live. Oh, hell no. And honestly, I'm one of the most sensitive people you guys can meet when people ask me how. I mean, if it wasn't for the big guy's strength, there there is no way that I would be able to, for you to sit there and witness and hear the suffering of your own people. I mean, there's nothing more difficult than that. And and what's so crazy is when we started this, I'm sitting here and I'm hearing all this. Right, I'm hungry. I'm I don't have clothes. I we live in a. I'm hearing all this. I'm like, are they speaking Armenian? These people are Armenian, and they're telling me this. Like it took me a while to register that. Yeah. You know that these are my people going through this, and uh, it's horrific. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, we have a. Oh, and sorry before. No, we... I refuse
0: to. You're, you're oh, that Come on. you do that one. Why?
1: I'm oh. Giving it to you. oh, okay which one it said uh, alan is asking why not collaborate with other organizations so you're stronger as a uh, kind of a unity versus mm-hmm. um being smaller as as individuals mm-hmm. um and then he also asks how do you select the cities you help
2: okay so as far as collaborating um we haven't like officially collaborated with other nonprofits, but we've worked with other people that take part in philanthropic work. You know, certain charities that let's say have chosen us um, to benefit, and we work together, have fundraising events, and raise proceeds for Fly. So in that sense, we have collaborated. Like, we've collaborated. So one thing that I forgot to mention is um, we have two teams in the charity. We have a board that my mom's the head of, and we have a youth team that I started when I was 18. And the whole reason for that was I wanted the youth to get involved. I was mind blown when I went and saw everything, and I'm like every single person in my generation has to know this. And I know that if we all came together, we're very strong and we can make a big impact as, mm-hmm. as youth. So um, we have several youth events throughout the year too, and we have collaborated with schools like UCLA, USC, we've collaborated with their organizations and we've d- done things like that. But like officially, like an official 501C, us working together, it just hasn't happened till know. now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the, this, but we're always open to doing whatever we can to, to increase our help, why not? But as small as we are, you guys, you know, we have meetings in, in our house since day one. It's a table just like this, a group of people just like us sitting around a table. Minus the microphones. There you go. <laughs> um, and, and,
3: the and, the, and the giant light. And, and Thank the you, nuts. JJ. <laughs>
2: and we just work together to uh, to make this world a better place. It literally just starts from that table in my house. And, um, you know, we've had people come that have also been involved in many organizations like you for many years. And they've said, you know, the work that happens in the in this home from this small table I haven't seen many large scale organizations have done. And I'm not saying this because my parents are the founder. Don't get me wrong, but it really is personal and it's really one-on-one. And the reason that I feel that it is, is because everything is done with love and, and, and and passion. And I feel like when, when love is present, miracles can happen. And we've witnessed so many miracles happen in these families' lives where, where they were just dug underground and now they're up on their feet with a brand new life, with a brand new hope. And above anything, people always ask us, you know, that food that you're going to give, it's going to finish. The clothes are going to get small. Then what kind of thing? And yeah, our, our help in the beginning is temporary, but the most important thing that we give to these people that money cannot buy is that hope. It's yeah. that love. It's that strength that, yeah. Hey, you're not alone. There are the group, a group of people on the other side of the world that love you and care for you and things are going to get better. And you guys will be amazed at what that hope does to somebody for them to know that, wow, I'm not alone and things are going to get better. You, you, huge difference huge light comes in their life
3: it's you you open the door for these people all they got to do is walk through yeah. and i'm glad you guys do the whole filtering out system because mm-hmm. if that wasn't there mm-hmm. the whole cause would be lost of
2: course it would it
3: literally would be a lost yeah. cause you're basically Uh, you're beating a dead dog. Mm -hmm. That's what it is.
2: The last thing that we want is for our help that we've worked so hard for that our donors contributed, you know, for it to fall in the wrong hands. Exactly. And what
3: would happen is your donors would look and be like, what the hell are you guys doing? Of course. Why? I mean, I hope that never ever happens, Mm -hmm. but they would stop contributing.
2: Of course. And, you know, it does take a lot of time. Like Armand said, it's so much easier to pass out money. It's so much easier not to tape anything or do any investigations or background checks and just give it and say, we helped. But it's not the point. The point is we want those families that truly are in need of it. To receive it and use it as a helping hand to get up that's what we're here for we we tell them when we get there that we're not here for the rest of your life we're here to help you give you a hand are you ready to stand up yeah. that's what we tell them mm-hmm. and if and if we don't see that we see that they're only going to eat drink and and use our clothes and that's it then we will not help that family because the whole point is for them to use that as a stepping stone to get back up and we always tell them next time that we come in six months we're going to see you doing much better and we so there 's a th-
1: follow through system of yeah. course, always okay. our
2: team is always our team is working twenty four seven over mm-hmm. there and um, always checking up on them, always following through like orphanages that we help and i didn 't forget his second part of that question mm-hmm. i 'll answer it. Um, we help orphanages as well, so just to pinpoint some cities, you guys it 's not just humidity that we help um, many cities um, and villages around Armavir, etchmiadzin, some families in Yerevan, khorvirap Hoemberyan Harbert all over Armenia, and I could tell you this winter. We really branched out there, like generally we stay in Shirak and Gumri, vanator and um uh Spitak. this time we drove a long distance we almost we almost got to the Artsakh border because what happens is we get a lot of requests from families that write to us or call us mm-hmm. and uh, you know after our team goes and interviews and they give us the okay, we go out and you know no matter how far it is we we've done that and um to uh, pinpoint the cities how we pick them. Um, so at first we were specifically in Gumri. That's where we started. But as we started getting more and more requests and we felt that those families really are in need, that's when we branched out. So, um, but as far as now, um, just because it is very far and we spent a long time in the car this time, like I'm telling you like eight, nine hours a day, we would be in the car we helped those families with everything that they needed, but we kind of made a decision as a team to stay in Shirok, uh, which is primarily Gumri, Vanador, and Spitak, just because the amount of time that you're putting in the car to go that far, you can spend that time to help more families where you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we've never refused requests. We've always gone and interviewed and, and seen if that family is in need of help, and we've helped if, if, if they needed it. So that's how we choose the cities uh, that we're in. Um, but other than that... Um, One thing uh, about the orphanages is, um, so, of course, being an orphan is also horrible, not having a mom and a dad, right? And this was also a big shock for us, how many kids are left as orphans in Armenia, and especially disabled kids. Disabled
1: ones,
2: There is a huge orphanage in Gyumri called Mangandun, um, 125 disabled kids from ages of birth till seven. They're born, families see that they're disabled, and they don't want them. They give them up. And they go to this orphanage and they take care of them. Um, All kinds of disabilities, you guys, from Down syndrome to autism, cerebral palsy, all kinds of serious things. And severe, very, Mm -hmm. very severe. So um, one huge thing that we did for this orphanage is so um, none of these kids were baptized. And, um, you know, we are a Christian Armenian organization and baptism is part of what we do we had all these kids baptized. It was a huge, huge thing in Armenia. I wasn't present for it. My mom was the godmother for all these kids. Oh, wow. um, it was beautiful. just a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, so we couldn't take them to church. So we brought the church to them and we had all of them baptized. And you guys will be amazed, um, you know, at what they told us, the, the people taking care of them. They said, we noticed a lot of kids calm down and, you know, a lot of kids started doing better and, you know, miraculous things happen so baptism is is always part of our work and so we do it once a year usually like last year we had 22 kids and two moms that weren't baptized we had them baptized so that's always part of what we do we just um god's spirit is always uh, involved in what that's we do beautiful. Yeah. um
4: my wife uh gets addresses from you know needy families okay. from another organization mm-hmm. for the families that are further out mm-hmm. would you be would you consider doing something like that if you guys do you know, interview them and say mm-hmm. this. This family needs this. Mm-hmm. They have a three-year-old, four-year-old, and mm-hmm. stuff. Families here want to send you, you, know, clothes and stuff and whatever they need mm-hmm. to get that in. You know, address mm-hmm. and just ship the stuff directly to the families.
2: So we always are open for anybody that wants to specifically help a yeah. family. But as there are a lot of people that ask, "Hey, can I have this family's phone number? Can I have this family's address?" For privacy reasons, we can't disclose that because it's private information we we kind of have an agreement in the beginning where we don't no. disclose that but if there's anybody that sees any family that they personally want to help by all means of course we can help yeah. them with personally whatever that they want yeah Yeah, because
4: we, we usually send like two two packages every three two to wonderful. three months
2: that's wonderful that's great
4: oh the
3: the possible stuff yeah every two to three months you guys send yeah. out stuff huh well yeah i mean you're done having kids so <laughs> i hope <sure. laughs> <sure>? i hope <laughs> no,
4: like, <laughs> you know, she would find out if they, they have a newborn and a let's say, uh, two-year-old. Uh-huh. She would get a bunch of stuff that that's on sale.
3: Pack it up and oh she oh and, she would actually buy yeah, stuff. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was like basically no, you know, it's not just you st- well remember we're Armenian man everybody <laughs> buys a bunch of stuff and you still have the tags on it. You're like, well the kid to lose weight and wear one day. <laughs> yeah exactly.
4: <I> was, <laughs> like no, my I... she would buy toys and everything and some of the toys that let's say my kids don't use but it's still fine. You know we would tell our four-year-old you know the toys that you're not going to play with why don't you put it here so mm-hmm. that another
2: kid
3: can enjoy yeah. it.
2: That's what's great. The address that we have in Armenia, it's in Gumri. Um, we provide it to anybody that wants to ship anything out. So yeah, anybody yeah. that wants to do that, we, yeah. we are open to that.
3: Yes. Armand was asking uh, if you personally take it to Armenia. Yes, they do. They do everything personally. So they don't take not the money. So,
0: no, yeah, no worries. Not
3: him, not him. Sorry. <laughs> Scissor genius. Uh, <laughs> he's one of our biggest fans. Yeah, um, he, you, he basically was asking if they, you guys take everything to our Ar- you. If you guys do everything personally, and yes, they do everything personally. So it's not like they take the money and say, "Here's three hundred dollars, go put it on black." Yeah. They literally go buy all the essentials that the family needs from and, Armenia. Yeah, from, from Armenia, Armenia, and they provide it to the family. His
0: question was, or do they take the stuff to Armenia? No, they go to Armenia, and buy it in Armenia. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: They take. It, yeah,
0: everything is bought in Armenia. So mm-hmm. they're
1: boosting the local economy in Armenia yeah. and directly delivering. Win win. Uh, yeah, yeah. win win yep. for everybody. Yeah. Now once once you've provided the initial help let's say mm-hmm. um, you bought them an oven stove whatever food basically clothing. we get them
2: going for six months six they don't months. have to worry about anything now
1: yep. throughout those six months or after six months do they have access to fly if if something more traumatic happens mm-hmm. or something changes in their I mean how
2: of course. Yeah. They always have our contact information, pretty much everything that we give them, um, their necessities. It's enough to get them going for six months where they don't have to worry about paying for food or clothes. And the reason for that is not to only take care of them, but to the money that they were going to put for this, to be able to save it and put it on the side to kind of give them a boost and a head start, Right. So in these six months we do monitor, we see how they're doing their spirits. Um, you know, whether they're taking initial steps because now that they don't have to worry about those things that are you know troubling them so much, they can have the time and the energy and the space to, okay, what can I do now? What, mm-hmm. what, what, job can I do? What can I do to help my family more? So of course um, it's not a one-time thing Our help is not a one-time thing. We always stay in touch with our families. Um, we always, you know, our help is reoccurring you know for that time being until they're enough to fly on their own Mm. i mean that's why the the meaning of fly is so deep it's not where it comes from yeah um you know crazy enough is in the beginning when fly formed we were thinking for months of what to name it you know in the beginning we were going to give it an armenian name and and then we're like no let's give it an english name so it's you know um you know for everybody and then it was just one moment i don't know how it just came to me i'm like okay Fly, freedom-loving youth. Let's do it. It just came that's to it. me. Wow. That's it. Yeah.
1: It's a beautiful name, by the way. Both Short. of
2: them. Both of them. Freedom-loving youth. Yeah. You know, that's what we're out here to give these kids that freedom to fly. And fly itself is is what we're here to give these kids families and these kids, the wings to fly on their wings. own. Yeah. And, um, so anything that they need after that, um, if they're sick and they don't have medicine, when I mean medicine, it's a couple bucks, maybe up till 12 bucks and they can't afford it. We provide them that medicine. If food runs out and they still can't afford it, the families that we move out that, um, uh, we provide rent for. So w- what's great about what this factor is we provide their rent for a designated time. And then we, have them take care of part of it as well so they feel entitled to doing their part as well Mm -hmm. so it's never our help is never about you said i'm going to spoon feed you because that's only doing a disservice for you you know it's to give you that helping hand but it there's that expression right you teach somebody how to fish instead of giving them them. yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly
4: there's another question uh, what is your experience when you do uh, the follow-ups
2: When we do the follow-ups, the best part about it is when you see that light in their eyes that you didn't see the first time that you met them, you see that smile, you see that hope, you see that, you know, they're filled with that strength and that energy, then they're actually doing something. I mean, I can't tell you guys the number of families that I saw that, you know, when we first met them, they were like this you know, they couldn't even stand up straight, so depressed and, you know, have reached the end of their hope. And the second time and the follow ups that we've had, you see them confident. I mean, just think about it. How can you apply for a job if you're not confident in yourself? Who's going to hire you seeing right. you like that? So it's like we're, we're fixing their, their spine. We're making them stand up. Chiropractors also. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> She's you know? doing adjustments. She does
2: adjustments, adjustments. on the
3: weekends, people.
2: <laughs> to see them, you know, all these moms that, you know, are taking care of themselves now. They look better, you know, they have makeup on, they look, so beautiful you know they're working two three jobs they're they're doing everything they can to take care of those kids and it's 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 difficult to describe in words honestly the the feeling of of being the reason that a child's and a family's life changes forever and and you know you open a new doorway and and um a new destiny for them that yeah. they never were going to have you
3: know now, the last time i was in armenia was 2004 uh you were there this, this past winter. Mm-hmm. Is there any construction going on as far as homes being built in Gyumri or is it still just
2: not that much? Not that I've seen. I mean, there are a lot of deteriorated buildings still, and there are a lot of new buildings. Um, but if you compare it to any other city like Yerevan, not no. at all. No, Cause no, no. in
3: 2004, Australia went in and Australia built in, I don't remember exactly how many homes there were, but they built a bunch of single family residents. And when you looked at it, it was funny. Uh, we drove. Th- we drove there because my mom's cousin was living in one of those uh, homes. It looked like you were in Glendale or you were in like Burbank or something. It was like paved streets, single family home, the white picket fences and everything. Porto's. Porto's <laughs> bakeries <laughs> was on the corner. Papillon was on the other corner. Where was this? This was in Le- this was in Gumery.
2: In Gumery. In okay.
3: And we looked, and I was t- I was talking to my brother because we went to visit our aunt. I was like, oh my god, I'm like, it, it looks, it looks like home, and you know the homes had backyards and stuff. I was like, I hope it's moving in that same direction, mm-hmm. but. Now that you're telling me you know there are isn't much construction going on I guess the main focus is just Yerevan at this point.
2: You know what's
4: crazy Every, is everybody is moving there because there's work.
2: Yeah and you mentioning um, about uh, one thing is Gumidi being the second largest city mm-hmm. before the earthquake, it was a very well off city. I mean, the biggest factories were there. The city of industry. So many educated people were there. I mean, people were really well off. And to think that this is something that, you know, we we, we pinpoint to the public is these people aren't poor because they were born poor. They were fine and then in a split second they lost everything. This is something, God forbid, could happen to any one of us at any moment in our lives. No moment is ever promised and, and life is so so unpredictable and everything is so temporary that this can happen to anybody. Well, you know? It was a
3: domino effect. You have the earthquake and then after the earthquake you have the collapse of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So any sort of financial and but, then, you, you know, have war yeah, right after. Too. and then you have the war right after. So any sort of finances you have, like I know people who didn't live in Gumri, they lived in Aragviyan or they lived in Yerevan, and they were very, very well off. And you would, t- I, I remember my my father would speak to them. He would say, "Listen, the news here is telling us the Soviet Union is collapsing. Go buy gold, go buy something, go buy property, and don't worry about it. Everything is fine. Everything's <laughs> yeah, do- know, we'll
4: the government it. will take care of it. The
3: government will take care of it. Don't worry." You wake up the next morning, your ruble is basically a dirham now, yeah, and your dirham is basically worth crap. And it's like, oh my god, now you have that factor. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, your 18-year-old has to go to uh, Azerbaijan to fight now. Some of them get their, you know, some of them lose their lives, and it's like, oh my god, it's like. It's a domino, correct. one please. after one.
0: They didn't go to Azerbaijan. To well, no, sounds... they will. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Bro. I just like to make that correct. No, we well, just... at the time it was Azerbaijan. <laughs> so, no, you know, never was and never will. All right. I, that's a different topic.
4: <laughs> I, like I I, I go there and a lot of like when we most of the tourism area is in the Yerevan area, but we try to go outside as much as we can with the three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, even in Yerevan, when you look at it, all the taxi drivers, from Gumri and uh, everywhere, they travel from their city to Yerevan to work for let's say, You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing, uh-huh. and then go back home for a day, and then come back. Mm-hmm. Some some people sleep in their you know in their taxis.
3: I can no, I, I believe it. I believe because it.
4: the work and tourism and stuff is just
3: capital. No, I it was in Armenia when you were in Yerevan. We would with the boys. We were like getting together. We would go out at two, three a.m. We were you know we were out and about. You every corner there was a taxi driver. No, there's more. There's probably more.
4: Is there, is there Uber or anything in Armenia now? There there's like go. two there. different type of Ubers. There you go. It's, yeah, there's there's
1: not Uber. Uber. We have a couple of comments, by the way. Yes. Um, Carol says, Carol, who, Hannah's uh, right. wife, okay, <laughs> uh, mentions that she, anytime she sends the clothing out there, she usually sends it to a different family each time. Okay. Never is the same family twice. Okay. Um, Anasha, who... My brother's wife says, Mm -hmm. thank you for all your loving work. What you guys do is beautiful. So So blessed to have individuals like yourselves to bring hope to these families who need it most.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Um, And Telman actually makes a, he's a good friend of mine. He uh, makes a great point. Um, He says the common people, even we have on average 30 people listening. Um, Even if each person donated $50, we're not asking for 500, a thousand, $50. Mm -hmm. $1,500. $1,500 $1,500 total. I mean, sometimes people think, well, you know, I only make 40000 a year. I can't donate 10%. Nobody's asking for 10% of, of your income. Of course. $40. What's $40, 000, $40 out of $40,000? do not drink your <laughs>
3: damn lattes for a week. Yes,
1: <laughs> they, they donate to Starbucks $7 oh every so month. Oh, don't go like, to your I McDonald's, McDonald's drive through
0: Our me has this mentality that small help is not enough. It's not help, So they yeah. just don't help but if 10,000 people
1: small help the earthquake in the philippines
3: F- th- two years ago there was an earthquake in the philippines some of the uh, some of the people at our office who are filipino came up to me they said you know there was an earthquake in the philippines right i'm like yeah i'm aware of it they're like well we're connect- collecting money for donations I-, I reached for my checkbook i'm like you know what i'm going to give it to uncle sam it's a full tax write off yeah
1: I'll,
3: how much do you guys need you write the check off the government is going to take it away from you it's going to go to nothing might as well
1: give it to somebody that could put use to it. It's going to go to a useless investigation. One probably. thing I want Probably. <laughs> <laughs> see, there you go.
2: One thing I want to pinpoint <laughs> as
0: well. Alina, <laughs> can you pull this the microphone towards you? Yes, of there course. You, go. Okay. We, have you so see weird.
1: how our voice is so crisp?
2: Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Sorry. So <laughs> now it's All
1: right, we're going to show this stuff. All right, with us
3: today we have Alina Sanvelian. Uh, she's well,
1: a- <laughs> well, please do. I mean, some people are yeah. just joining Yeah, us, if so. you guys are just joining us, uh,
3: Alina Sanvelian is here from... FLY, freedom-loving youth. Uh, they are an amazing organization that help uh, children, families, orphans in Armenia and in Syria. Um, again, with the whole... They, they began from the Syrian war. Um, your mother, Caroline, correct? Yes. She began the organization um, and it's flourished since and will continue to flourish with all of your support. So, again, I, I did I did post... Um, the uh, the link to the donation in the feed. If you guys don't see it, I could I could post it again. I have it copied. Reach into your pockets. Uh, we would seriously want you guys to donate. Armund from uh, Armund, our wise nut with uh, Lakeview Hospice, and myself with Sold by Arno at Coldwell Banker, we will match the donations. Guys, $50, $10, $5, anything. something. Because that $5 will go a long way in Armenia and in Syria it's you're we're talking about third world countries here people
2: one thing i want to pinpoint you guys no amount is ever too small mm-hmm. every single dollar will make a difference especially when it reaches its destination you know thank god in the past six years almost we've been able to help seven thousand kids and wow. we're not on a multi-million dollar budget here our budget is very small mm-hmm. but the reason we've been able to make such a great impact and a great difference is because when every dollar is used in the right way you can make miracles happen. You don't need millions to do that. you know. And, and just one thing to pinpoint is it only needs $100 to feed a family for a month in Armenia. There so you go. so it, it's a huge thing. I mean, to sponsor a child each month is only $25 to take care of them. So it doesn't take much, but it will go a long way for them.
1: I, if you ask me, maybe I'm being overly <clears throat> optimistic or ambitious here, but um, I think if we really put our minds to it, within – the next generation, let's say the in about 10 years or so, where new babies are born in within those villages and those cities around Armenia, Syria, wherever else you guys are helping out. I think if we set our minds to it, not just with Fly, whatever organization you trust that you're donating to, we can literally put an end to this nonsense. I mean, the fact that I don't think there's millions of families that are uh, starving and uh, living in um, metal shacks in Armenia w- what do you think that number is
2: In Gumity alone is 2500
1: Okay. It's and, not a lot. About 10,000 people. It's not little either. 10,000 people. You have
2: Vanadzor, Spitak, and a bunch of other regions around, but mostly it's it's Shirok. And the, why the highest number of containers is in Armenia? It, you have the highest unemployment rate there and the yeah. highest poverty rate. So um, even though the earthquake happened in Spitak, Yumri was the one that was most affected by yeah. it. Yeah. So,
1: w- Let's let's say well, how many thousand twenty thousand people.
2: I I don't know for, an exact number, but it's not call a it lot.
1: call it fifteen thousand people. Okay, fifteen thousand people, right? Exactly. If if each of these individuals, even five hundred dollars a year, would change your life, that's seven and a half million dollars. What's seven and a half million dollars for even just the Armenian community in L.A. I mean, we they spend seven and a half million a month on their Rolls Royce Royces and Bentleys and all this. How much did it's that not, museum cost? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm, <laughs> I'm the weirdest.
3: Sean's going to be joining us. Yeah, you can ask You should ask, ask Sean. He's I, the director of that museum. I think
1: they raised about 9 million so far. I think the goal is 12 if I'm not yeah. mistaken, so but um uh, look, you you don't take away from one to help another. That's oh, not definitely. my point. My point is um you have 5 Chanel purses, have 4. You don't need 5, you don't need the 6th one. Whatever it is, uh, it's the number is not astronomic seven and a half ten million dollars a give year is
3: give and you will receive
0: i yes. promise Almost. you another thing armenian people don't understand the meaning of enough there is no enough with us there's no more if they have the mercedes it's got to be the rolls royce yep. and, the Bentley. and it's just never enough still have and then airplane, it. airplane it's still not enough
1: still have it but i think you would feel much better about having all those things when you know you've also helped somebody that's much less fortunate than
3: you are. Ed, you want me to give you the best example? Kirk Krikorian. Yeah. But
1: what did he do? He stopped helping too, remember?
3: Well, Kirk's was a different story. I I mean, the one telethon that I, the one organization that I refuse to donate to is the (laughs) Armenian telethon.
4: (laughs) I refuse. I I refuse to donate to that. (laughs) I volunteered there once and I will not. Look,
3: I don't mean to bash them. Honestly, I don't. But you're... You cheer and you're excited about millions of dollars raised. You go to the country, there's nothing's changed.
0: Arnold John, it's just easy to say it, bro. There, I'm sure there is money being laundered through all of this. Well, unfortunately, even if I don't want to hear about like, it. If, if I'm giving out a dollar to that organization, I know even 10 cents of it is going to the purpose. I'm still happy. Really? Just, you yeah, yeah, know. You're girl, I'm just. I'm saying Ed, at
3: that level,
0: there's going to be corruption. Ed, right. let's, let's let's look at it this way. Corruption.
3: Let's say let's why say why for example,
0: supply is small and that's why you trust. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely
3: sorry, sorry, Alnajjar. No, this no this way. happens all the time. By no way. We just kind of. But, <laughs> no It's no an exclusive. No, nah. I'm not this Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> I look at I look at it like this. Welcome if, to the club. Yeah, if you if listen if you if you raise fifty thousand if you raise la, raise ten thousand dollars for example, mm-hmm. and of that ten thousand dollars you're gonna eat two thousand of it but 8,000 is going to go towards the families or whatever. I don't care. Do it. Why? Because at the end of the day, yeah, you're taking the time to do whatever you're needed to do. And it costs money, $2,000. Do it. I don't care. But if you're doing the opposite, you're eating eight and 2,000 is going to that family. I'm sorry, but I'll say something, but I can't because there's two beautiful ladies sitting here. (laughs) So we'll leave it for next week. (laughs) One
2: thing I want to mention you guys is, you know, our main goal, we're not here to give them a life of luxury. You know what I mean? We hope and pray that they they have, you know, whatever they want. They but reach we're here. that. Yeah, they make their dreams come true. But we're just here, you know, at first, <laughs> why we give those basic necessities because you can't help someone before you feed them and you clothe them. Mm-hmm. You got to do that first so they get their energy and they get their strength. And then that's when help will will proceed. But I always say, you know, give these family a small room this size, give them plain bread to eat. But give them a bathroom and give them a shower. Give them the humane things that they need okay. to take care of themselves. You know, and yeah. and and believe me, if they had that that much, if they had that little, um, it would be much better than the they would situations. live with some
1: dignity at yeah. least. I Absolutely. think that that's the most important mm-hmm. thing. You don't they don't need anything flashy. They just need to live with some dignity. Do you know
2: what blew my mind is? You know, unfortunately, my mom and I we've never visited Syria because you know the conditions weren't safe. Hopefully soon it will so right. we can go personally hug these kids. That was the most beautiful part about Armenia is it was safe to go and we can actually meet these kids versus Syria. We've only seen pictures and videos. And although Syria was in a war for how many years? Seven, eight years and destruction and, and, and you know, it was horrific. Um, situation in Armenia was by far much worse and there was no war in Armenia. And I remember in the beginning when we were helping Syria, we asked our bishop, uh, Armas Serpazan, are there any hungry kids in Syria? Any Armenian hungry kids we can help? He's like, no, there's nothing like that. Are you crazy? There's no kids that the organizations, all churches would would let you know, go to mm-hmm. sleep hungry like that. But what blew my mind is seeing how prevalent that is in Armenia. It's so common. like It's like drinking water. It's like something usual. Hunger is, an, is a usual thing. It's not a big mm-hmm. deal. Not having a bathroom as a hole in the ground outside, that's normal. What bathroom? What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, so that, know. That's what blew my mind at how a country that... It's so much worse. Conditions is doing much better than, yeah. than Armenia. You know? I, in, in, I know in um, Syria
3: there's no direct flight to Syria. I had a friend who was actually going to Syria from uh, here. Or, yeah, yeah from you had
4: to fly to the neighboring... Or they, Lebanon, yeah, maybe. they
3: flew into Lebanon mm-hmm. and then he drew from Lebanon to Syria to sell his home. Mm-hmm. I was like there is no flight into Syria anymore? No, he goes, no. he goes, listen, the war is over. It's it's kind of... it's It's settled down but it's still like the factory the factory that they had is is blown up like the house that they have he's like thank god it's still it's it's still standing but he's like there's so many residential areas where he's like picture this you're driving through burbank you from andover to like Magnolia, it's just it's it's rubble Mm. and then you pass Magnolia, it's there's houses there he's like that's how it is in syria right now
2: And, you know, I know we were talking about Armenia the whole time and I can't help but talk about Armenia so much, even though we're helping both Syria and Armenia. I feel like 95 percent of our attention is going there just because it's so much more severe than Syria. But Syria, I mean, it was it was horrible and horrific as well. I mean, we had so many kids that lost their parents and lost their homes and we actually had a couple of volunteers. Unfortunately, um, this this always breaks my heart remembering it, but they were volunteers in, I believe, our Aleppo chapter. And they were on their way to swimming practice and at that moment a, a bomb hit bomb, and they both wow. died. Yeah. That was volunteers? That was two of our volunteers, oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Young young. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So Ill- mm-hmm. That's
1: That's we, we have a um, uh where is the name? Oh, Johnny Karapash. Okay. Um don- Hi Johnny don- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for he's uh donating fifty dollars through your father Vasque. Thank you so much. Thank, Beautiful. You. Um, Thank you. Thank you. We had a donation from uh, my brother-in-law Mike for two hundred dollars. Thank
2: you so much, Mike.
1: And uh, JJ Acopian. JJ, JJ. JJ donated hundred dollars as well. Thank you, JJ, Thank you so for the much. donation Thank as you. well. And look, guys, we're not naming names for um, to advertise anybody. It's a matter of uh, we want you to feel that the donation is really going to good use. It it will be recognized. And it's not about having your name on a plaque or on a wall or on a street. It's, it's about really making a difference in these people's yeah. lives, which, which is what we're trying to do yeah. here.
3: And guys, mind you, Alina and her family did not come here saying, Oh, donate. We invited them. Yes. We put the donations in there and we expect you guys to at least reach into your pockets and put something again. It's going to something It's going to a good cause. It's going to children. It's going to families. It's going to someone where you're you're changing a life. It's as simple as that. You're changing somebody's life towards the good.
1: I don't think there's a better feeling in this world, honestly. There isn't. Because look at it this way. When you get a gift, is it the same feeling as when you give a gift to somebody for Christmas? Mm -hmm. I think it feels 10 times better when you Mm -hmm. gift it to somebody and you see the reaction versus... Oh, I got a cologne. Now I got to take it to Macy's and exchange it. <laughs> it's, it's it's seriously it's it's a chore. It's oh a hassle. But God. when you give a gift, it's like wow, hundred yeah. percent. I I got my daughter that
3: big giant book of uh, pictures and like. <laughs> It's like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Amazon to drop the damn thing off so I could see this kid, to see a one-year-old's reaction. And I open up the book. I go, look, Papa, look what it is. She just stares at it and she looks at me. She looks at the book and she's having a good time. <laughs> there you it go. makes me feel good. No,
2: I now imagine
1: the you. feeling of doing that. Now
3: imagine day. putting clothes on a kid.
2: You know, I always say you guys, um, as deeply painful as missions get, I mean, it gets to the point that I have breakdowns every single day. I feel like I'm going to run out of tears when I'm there as painful as it gets. The amount of joy that we experience, um, by the miracles that we we bring to these families' lives, the joy by far weighs much more than the pain does. I mean, pain is inevitable. Some people think, hey, you guys are going twice a year. It must get easier, right? It only gets harder. Mm-hmm. It never gets easier because you only see how, like how much more can you see of this? Like when is this going to end kind of thing, you And know? you guys
3: are going in June again, correct?
2: Um, so we usually go in January and June twice a year. This time we might go either in June or July, but it, it's going to be in summertime. Okay, so yeah, that's,
3: it's, it's plenty of time for our, for us to try to raise money on behalf of the wise nuts for fly thank you so much and we want to collaborate definitely want to collaborate with you guys
2: one thing I want to pinpoint sure. um, so besides all this what's our long-term goal yes besides lowering the poverty I was rate, ask you yes about that. <laughs> um, so besides lowering the poverty rate um, we are planning to open a center in Armenia a city we're not sure yet either Gyumri or Von in the Shidok region and the center the purpose of the center it's going to be a social center and it's gonna be a place for kids to come after school First thing is to be well-fed, given a meal, and to give them um, classes to help them in their education because I don't know if you guys know, um, a lot of kids, what what triggers more of this poverty is a lot of kids need that extra help and tutoring to do well in school and be Mm -hmm. ready for college. And if families can't even afford food, how are they going to afford tutoring? So they don't end up doing well in school, they end up not going to college, and then they just continue that same line of poverty that their family has been living in. So to help end that, we're going to provide them everything that they need to do well in school the extra tutoring classes and everything give them extracurriculars these Kids are so talented, you guys. Each one is so smart and has such great talents, whether it's music, whether it's uh, art, sports. They're all so talented in their own ways to give them that chance to actually explore their passions and talents. Because when you're living in a world of, okay, I need to survive today, you, you can never have that space to want to explore and do whatever it is that you know, makes you happy. You know? it's,
3: it's basically like a recreational area for the kids yes. where they can actually uh, play hang out and actually get an education at yes. the same time, whereas as far as tutoring is concerned.
2: Yes, and besides that, uh, uh, an even greater thing is this is going to be a place for the moms to come and also be taught on uh be given the resources to find jobs so that's going to be also a center for the moms to come and be taught and be trained to find jobs so this wow, is going to be yeah. a, it's a huge project and
4: that'll be good.
2: yeah and it's going to take well, obviously monthly funding to get it going but it's going to take some time have a you guys set a
3: sw- as far as a set financial goal or sent uh, time period as to when you guys want to raise that amount of money to get the project started, or Specific- it's still in the works. It's
2: still in the works. Specifically, no, we're still exploring on where and and what okay. we're either going to find a ready-made building or find a you know an empty space that we can build it from, which is most likely what we're going to do. Okay.
3: Keep us posted on that for, for sure. sure. For sure, absolutely. We will. Yeah.
2: Can we talk no. about
3: the
0: land? I'm sorry. Can we talk about how these domings that we're talking about? Some of these people are having an issue with people that own the land that it sits on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're on the verge of getting kicked out, and they don't know oh, where to oh, take yeah. them. Oh yeah, it's not wow. it's That's not bad enough that they're issue.
2: living there; they're paying money to live in that place. And they're
1: being evicted as well. Or so this case,
2: families that can't afford paying the rent, or have lagged it for many months, or they want to find somebody else to move in. Yeah, they do get wow. kicked out. Yeah, so it's not enough that you're suffering in that metal container; you're paying for it too.
1: Um, Alan, who always asks great questions, yes. I think you covered majority of it. He was asking about what type of educational programs does the organization provide. There you go, mm-hmm. um, for these families mm-hmm. to be elevated and support themselves to find to find work and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's then, in the works. Yeah, mm-hmm. which as you heard, it's in the works. Um, and then he was asking about whether or not you monitor them once you've helped them, which you answered yes, yeah. yes, uh, of course. that's well. the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. They do, Alan. They do monitor all the families because they want to make sure that the help is actually—they they are actually working towards standing up on their own two feet and not just um, waiting for the support six months later and not doing anything about of course, um, absolutely all the work that they're putting into it. So yeah, it, to answer both of your questions, I think yeah,
3: um, definitely.
1: One little
4: suggestion because yes. I donate to Katerina's Club. I don't know if you know about mm-hmm. them. I think they're in Irvine or uh, Orange County. What do they do? They collect uh, pasta and pasta sauce Mm -hmm. in tons. Mm -hmm. And they do a drive every year. And they feed all the kids who actually live in uh, motels. Mm -hmm. And those kids don't have food to eat during the day. (coughs) Motels here. Motels here. When they go to school, they get fed for breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. But at dinners, they don't have anything. Mm -hmm. So Katarina Club feeds all these kids. Mm-hmm. Like two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. Now they've expanded to outside of US. Mm-hmm. So you guys might want to hook up with them because they're giving out mm-hmm. pastas, pasta salsa, food, you know, money and stuff yeah. for the problem other
0: countries. Is that yeah. material for them to take that there and the amount of money it takes to get that product there, it'd be much cheaper for them to
4: buy it. Maybe yeah. so, but they they are expanding. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They need they need people.
2: Yeah, and some people have asked us as well if we do anything here with the local community. Um, most of our work is overseas, it's in Armenia and in Syria, but we have done some projects here, like we've helped. Um, a school in Glendale um, called College View. Um, it's a school for kids with disabilities. Mm-hmm. We've helped them. We funded them with with certain projects and then um, you know we've we've done something not with kids but um, something that touched our hearts. You guys know all out at home, yes. Of course. So a few years ago we visited them on Mother's Day and we passed out roses to all these moms and all these uh, all these grandmas that were there and it was one of the most touching days ever even though it wasn't kids. Um, these are a lot of them aren't even visited anymore. They're just yeah. there and we're gonna do that again this year by the way so stay tuned for that beautiful we're gonna be there this wow. mother's day yeah so we do we do projects here and there
3: yeah before we wrap it up for the day as well uh Shahe donated a hundred dollars to fly as well thank you, so much. thank you thank you so much for that um aljan I want to thank you so much for taking the time on a Monday evening. Thank you so morning. much. Morning. Morning. <laughs> morning, afternoon, uh, evening. It's it's five, it's it's 8 a.m. somewhere. Five, um, it, I know, I know. No, no, I'm saying 8 a.m. as in like, we always say good morning, gentlemen. That's why. But anyways, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We greatly, greatly appreciate what you and your family are doing. Continue to do it. You know that the support from the Wise Nuts is there. Thank yes. you so much. Um, we have your guys back 100%. Um, we will. We would love to have you back on the show before you go to Armenia, or maybe even after sure. when you come back, of course. Um, just to s- share some more stories about um, the positive stuff that's happened. Uh, tell us about what's going on in Armenia as far as um, the country itself. What's going on uh, in Yerevan, outside of Yerevan, of all course. that stuff. Of course. Uh, people, I posted the uh, the donation uh, link one one more time. Shahid did it. A lot of other people have done it as well. Reach into your pockets. Again, it's not about how much you donate. It's about if you can donate. You can be an anonymous donator. You don't need to say... We don't uh, need
1: your social number. Yeah,
3: we don't need any. We're not going to run your credit. Don't worry about it. Um, There's no loan involved, no inquiries, nothing. Don't worry about it. Reach into your pockets. Donate whatever you can. A little will go a long way. Uh, Lakeview and Sold by Arno will be matching what we can collect, what do you you want to call it, a week?
1: We can do it in a week, but I I actually, what I wanted to also do is, like I said, I'm going to put my check where my mouth is. (laughs) I'm not going to disclose the amount because it it doesn't matter. I don't think the amount matters. It's a decent amount, but. (laughs) Okay, it's it's enough to feed a bunch of families. Well, yes, but what I want to do is, um, like I said, on behalf of Lakeview, I want to give you the check, now, so that people can also see, we're we're not just here pretending that this is going to happen. It's actually going to happen. And if for whatever reason the um whatever amount we donate happens to be more than what the check I've given you, mm-hmm. then Arno is going to match that, and I will increase the check. You got it. I think awesome. it's enough. Where I hope, I actually hope that it goes above that. But
2: thank you so you much. Know, thank so you guys here. so much for having me here. Absolutely,
1: that's for you. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs>
3: So again. Put, your,
1: put your money where your mouth is, okay? Beautiful. Uh, thank you <laughs> so much. All oh, camera's over there. <laughs> there Sorry. you
3: go. Thank th- you again <laughs> thank for, you. for joining us. Caroline. <laughs>
1: Caroline, we love you too. Thank One you so much. One thing I want
2: to make sure everyone knows, whoever does not follow us and wants to see the work that we do, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, Freedom Loving Youth, follow us. You guys will have the chance to stay up to date with all our projects and um, take part in this mission with us. And our website as well, whoever is not that active on social media, fly.care. Everything that we do is there for people to see. Even something as simple as a like and a follow and spreading the word about the cause also will make a great difference. So thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you guys so much for having me here. It was an thank honor. Thank you for coming. Thank, thank, you, for, for thank you for joining ready. us. And we're, we're going to see you again soon. Yes. I did want to mention, work.
0: now, from, for birthdays, like we mentioned, at this age, I don't like receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, from now on, if I'm going to have a birthday, I'm going to have fly and all yeah, people donate, donate. Yeah, donate. A my lot of people thing. have done that on Facebook.
2: It's a
1: wonderful thing. Don't too. expect a gift from me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm telling uh, you. At no. least not a physical gift. <laughs> we no. hey, let's, Whoa, hey, let's keep our hey. gifts
0: <laughs> off the air, please.
1: Put, put, put a blind here. We'll
3: see. We'll see you guys next week. We got I'm a special it. guest for you guys, and uh, we don't want to have... mention. It. Don't worry about it. We'll, <laughs> let's not mention it just yet. We'll uh, Wednesday or Thursday is when we post it. You guys will see who's going to be joining us. You guys are going to love her. Oh, I already said her. Well, for now, she they identifies can't keep as a female. Identif- well, I hope she does not identify as a female. it so. could change. You never know. You never all know all in this bad. day of age. Oh, my god! He can't a, keep his mouth. Shut. I could just tell you guys. <laughs> all
4: right, guys. We'll see you guys <laughs> next you week. Thank you, guys. Thank you right. for your support. Good, Good night.
0: It's day, bro.